Welcome to the Painter's Dialectic. I'm your host, Josh Green, a painter and art educator living in New York City. And today we are going to talk about perseverance and managing success with sketch comedian Derek Blythe, also known as Soupy Garbage Juice. Derek is a social media celebrity with millions of followers. And today we're going to talk about his journey to success and how he's managing his fame. Derek also created the theme music for the podcast that you've been enjoying every episode. He created the intro music. I have known Derek since high school. He moved directly to New York City after graduating and has single-mindedly persisted in his goal of becoming a sketch comedian for the past decade. He has persevered through many, many hard times and failures until recently. Now he is known internationally for his music and comedy. Derek has had no handouts or no nepotistic ties. He has earned his success through sheer willpower. And I would like to congratulate my friend on this very hard decade and his well-earned success. It has inspired me to continue on in my own artistic practice, and I'm sure all of Derek's friends that he's encountered are also inspired by him. Don't just listen to the podcast, participate in it. Go to our Patreon, The Painter's Dialectic, and subscribe. We have different tiers with behind-the-scenes content of how we develop these ideas. If you'd like to check out Derek's content, It's on all the social media platforms and on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, Just type in Soupy Garbage Juice and you definitely will find him. If you'd like to study with me, go to greenatelier.art and sign up for lessons. If you'd like to see my artwork, my Instagram page, Josh Green Artist. Check out my website, joshgreenart.com. Derek, it's it's great to see you. You just got back from the Balkans. Hello, Josh. Yes, <laughs> I had quite an adventure. Yeah, I feel uh, replenished. Yeah, I feel like it was good for my soul. Yeah, you you ate some goats. You went through some communist yeah. ruins. And yeah, yeah. Drink with the mafia, apparently. Um, <laughs> no comment on that. I didn't know they were the mafia until later, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that explains how they were dressed. <laughs> But before we get into it, um, so Derek Blythe, I've known him since high school. He is a sketch comedian, now internationally famous micro-celebrity on TikTok and Instagram and YouTuber, all of this stuff. And um, is there anything else they need to know about you before we get into it? Um, No, just soupy garbage juice. That's the handle. Soupy Garbage Juice. Check him out. You've probably already seen his videos anyways. Um, But yeah, I mean, technically you are a visual artist, right? Yeah. Uh, You do deal with that, but you also compose music. You you write the comedy sketches. Um, But I think today, at least what I find most interesting about you is... You did not go to school. You moved straight to New York City 
and you have been absolutely roughing it. Um, yeah. Single-mindedly focus on your dream. And now after about 10 years, you've made it, right? You are now... I guess you could say that if I don't have a day job anymore. I guess that's the cut. The, yeah. The technicality. Uh, although I did I did go to school. I went to, for two years. Okay. Um, I did English major and then communications major. And then I kind of just left. Um, one way to get to New York. And everyone thought, oh, you're just going to be there a year and move back and finish school. You're just going through a time, bad job and a breakup and everything. Um, but I'm glad that I did spend that time at school because that's where I interned at um, the TV station. And that's where I learned how to edit video uh, pretty quickly. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be cool to hear about your journey. I know this most people in art are not successful. There's a minority of people who are actually making a living and a very smaller minority that are actually doing well, right? But um, maybe like your story, you could talk about, you know, how you got through the hard times or what the hard times are like or anything unexpected, you know, that, that you think people should know. But um, when you first got here, uh, what was going on? Um, I really just had nothing for about a year. I was bouncing between jobs, hotel jobs, that kind of thing. You can't even, you know, there's the like stereotype that's like, oh, you move out to become an actor and you're just a waiter. Well, you have to have experience to be a waiter. So I didn't <laughs> even do that or server. Sorry. Um, so it was really just being broke, sometimes couch surfing. And it was kind of like. I don't know. It, it, it's. I guess I kept through just thinking, what else would I be doing? Um, I didn't want to do anything else. Uh, I came to study improv. I was doing a lot of improv comedy, um, and I sort of fell out of love with that too. Sort of over the first few years, um, and then I was just sort of doing my own thing badly but for a long time and I think that's partially the the garbage portion of the name it's like <laughs> being okay with putting out trash so much until you one day you're kind of good at it I think that's a key part of creativity is um being critical when you're trying to do something new and individual really kills the creative process you have to have a time to just play and make garbage. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if I subscribe to the, like, Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing, you know? Okay. Um, but there's definitely something to, like, just doing it every day for 10 years uh, because, you know, you don't, it's the only thing you can imagine yourself doing. Right. Um, and so uh, I'm an actor as well, but, like, you know, a lot of that stuff, like, Acting, comedy, it's mostly you're trying to get noticed by people or you're trying to be a part of of some other thing. Um, and I really only felt happy when I was just sort of by myself trying to manifest the stupid ideas in my head. So that really doesn't lead to anywhere. You're not going to get an agent or anything like that. But I just kept making and making and making stuff. 
I don't I don't know how many so, like one minute songs I've made, but it's definitely in the hundreds, if not oh. thousand. I know f for me, I've I've probably given up about three times. Mm. I gone I went into sonography, I went into medical illustration, and then just all kind of. And then I'm like, I hate this. I'm going back. I don't know. Did you ever feel like giving up? Yeah, definitely. I had a, there was a, a moment that comes to mind, and I don't even know what day it was, but like I what I was working as a mascot. Uh, thousands of tourists every day it's very physical and difficult and uh i was taking i was just like sitting on the floor of the dressing room and taking off the the head of the monkey costume and um i realized like five years had had gotten away after moving to new york and i was doing this and i was miserable and it sort of felt like at that moment I took the head off and I felt my dreams just like leave my body like a like breath you know mm -hmm. what I mean um and then I was sort of I guess for a couple of years sort of just surviving um not really doing much just sort of I traveled a bit but was like yeah I don't know I've definitely given up a few times but not really I stayed here yeah I just sort of lost lost myself, I think. Lost the journey. Yeah. Uh, why do you think this is so meaningful to you? I'm not sure. Maybe, I don't know. There needs to be challenges. That's why I went to Romania instead of the Bahamas. I need to be... I have a busy mind. Um, not that in a smart way, just busy all the time. Uh, so I need to keep going forward. And I think this was meaningful to me as like one of the only times where I, I didn't, I just, <laughs> I was so miserable because I stopped doing anything. I was just working, paying bills, watching TV, thousands of hours of anime. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? I'm not sure how to describe. This is a lot of stuff I haven't like verbalized before. Great. That means it's going to be a good interview. So, I mean... Most people don't skip school. Most people don't go to New York and be poor as hell for yeah. 10 years for their dream of doing sketch comedy. Uh, you know, what was different? Well, it's it was sort of like what I was saying before, like, what else would I be doing? And I've known some other friends who have had that and then moved to L.A. and then had the same thought. They're just poor somewhere else and not, <laughs> and not working um so yeah it really comes down to that and uh i don't know do you think you can think of it as a journey i guess but oh, it's um, definitely a journey yeah now looking back it is but I, I was really just trying to do it one day at a time um I don't know. It, it's bizarre to, you know, like <laughs> I'm thinking of like speaking on this after 10 years, the outcome is like a meme song about swallowing shampoo. <laughs> That's sort of the punchline here is all of this goes to like really stupid yeah, songs about uh, toilets and stuff. <laughs> um, like that's where it ended up. <laughs> uh, so, 
it's surreal, but I don't know. I like that the the focus on like having act having an actually good sounding song and actually good looking visual element mm -hmm. to the video with it, and then making it about something really stupid like that Mozart song that's like lick my name arsh like he wrote that pretty song and then titled it lick my ass you know that one <laughs> so that's a huge inspiration so i know there's something there's something more to it all right so you've been you've been very very poor like you've yeah. still been struggling to pay rent uh last year i think yeah. i don't know it might have been a few months ago you're like my video is in times square but also that same month you're like i can barely pay rent yeah that was a year ago. That was last April. <laughs> right. But you've stuck this with for 10 years, so there's got to be uh, something more to it. Um, you know, maybe we try to take it somewhere interesting. Um, it's, um, you know, most people think they want to be happy. But when you actually look at the world, people look like they're addicted to suffering. Yeah. <laughs> so is happiness important to you, or is there something more important hmm i don't know that that feels sort of like an eastern idea the like <laughs> uh you know always looking to the next thing for happiness or gratification mm -hmm. and um yeah i think well i don't know who was saying it maybe like alan watts or someone like it r really got me through when i was thinking less of the journey i was thinking less of the outcome the future toilet billboards Mm -hmm. And more of like, you know what, I really should be, if I'm going to be so miserable in this city and and broke, I really should be just singing and dancing and enjoying every moment. Because I think th that was the quote is like, instead of thinking of life as a journey, thinking, think of it as a, a song. You're not waiting for the song to get to the last note. Then you just listen to the last note. You enjoy the whole thing. So... So for all of my 20s, like, it was a lot of miserable work, but a lot of really, really interesting experiences I'll take with me. Um, I, I used to have this phrase where I would say, like, I'm doomed to be interesting because no matter how bad it got, it was always, like, an interesting situation, like being King Kong at the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah, so you were the King Kong mascot in the Empire State Building for... Yeah, for five years. For five years. On the 80th floor. Uh-huh. So, right, like, it's, like, horribly miserable job, but thoroughly interesting. <laughs> um, well, maybe it's a sense of defiance. Maybe. That's what it sounds like to me, <laughs> is... um. There's something defiant about you doing sketch comedy and living an alternative type of life. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's also like part of the name of the garbage juice is that like, uh, partially it's like there's garbage thrown at you all the time, especially in our modern era, that when you do comedy or art or creativity of any kind, that's sort of like the nutritious runoff at the bottom of the garbage can, you know? <laughs> it's all the, yeah, all the, all the fresh juice, the nutrients are there. All right, so 
maybe there's a bit of defiance. Um, you, you've decided that this is it. This is the thing you're going to do, and you're going to do it no matter what. Um, what is the thing that you're doing? I'm making comedy music. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. What's 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 kind of the 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 feeling underneath it? It's what? a it's a uh, a lot of satire. It's a lot of like maybe like I sing about anxiety a lot, that kind of thing, mental mm -hmm. health, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I've never had to talk about it this much. So maybe there's an element of like catharsis in it. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like yeah. There's a lot of people who who like who like the tunes because they're relatable, but that wasn't the original intention. Mm -hmm. It just sort of became that way. It was like a song about an anxiety attack or uh, social anxiety, that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, it was just sort of like catharsis or like therapy, but a lot of people um, uh, related to that. So Yeah, I think one in four people are mentally ill now. Oh. <laughs> at least that's the american statistics <laughs> so yeah anxiety is rampant depression is rampant so you're expressing that anxiety what so it's mainly social anxiety sometimes is there anything else but or just uh there's a lot of i think it's sort of a symptom of post-covid times there was a lot of stuff about a busy mind or just like oh i didn't do anything i was supposed to do today um just being cooped up i don't know i haven't had to think about it this much <laughs> i haven't had to dissect it that much um well i see in your comedy i do see the social anxiety i think that one's pretty obvious <laughs> but uh, i also see some absurdism oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely that um uh, a particular outlook on life that i think is very common now um absurdism grew out of nihilism, right? But mm -hmm. it was a more positive, active way to deal with it. I create my own meaning. And there's a lot of defiance in that. That was the ultimate goal of the absurdist is to defiantly live despite everything that's happening. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. A lot of like, just the years of like, being unhappy because you have such big dreams um, but in the, at the end of the day, like you didn't ask to be born. Um, so you might as well, like I said, sing and dance, make, mm -hmm. make pretty stuff. Mm -hmm. So maybe people are relating because those feelings and mindsets are so widespread. Yeah. Maybe especially in the younger generation. I don't know what your demographic is. Do you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of Gen Z. Gen and Z. They, it's cause I do a lot of different things to, the Gen Z people really like the anxiety and depression stuff. <laughs> and then the older moms like the, the, the daily household stuff, like everything's so difficult all the time. That's all. So you have Gen Z and then you have moms? Depending on which, <laughs> which, um, on which type of song. Yeah. The, the Gen Z group is interesting. So, you know, I, I teach, I taught a lot of them. Um, they talk a lot about mental health. That's a primary, like one of the primary focus and their identities and everything. And um, they, they are, they get a lot of their um, value from life and their, their self-esteem from social media. Yeah. Not 
from anything real, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they really talk about the amount of likes they get, um, how many people follow them, as if that was more important than having actual friends. Oh, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Here and there. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially you'll meet kids abroad and they'll be like, yeah, what are your followers? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what's your Instagram? Be like, oh, you do have a lot of followers. Oh, I know your stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and they message me all the time, too. Uh -huh. daily messages every day. Okay, so what's it like to go from being desperately broke, doing all these crazy jobs, and um, living in a pretty ugly place, to now you're, you don't have to work, you make your money from your uh, TikTok, your Instagram, your Spotify. And, and Spotify, um, TikTok doesn't pay you anything. Oh, really? No. And, uh, like, I hear people talk about you, in Washington Square Park. I did that the other day. You said you got recognized at... Um, a Dracula what? Castle. A Dracula uh, Castle. Bizarre. Um, so you're being recognized around the world. So you've gone from like someone no one knew to now being recognized. Yeah. What? How, how has that felt? Uh, it, it, it's pretty surreal. And it's also like over the internet. So it didn't... It doesn't feel real at all until someone in person is like, oh, I know who you are. Uh -huh. um, so, so for like two years, it, it didn't really feel like anything. Also, I wasn't making any money until yeah. recently. <laughs> so it's just like, there was just numbers and messages from people who, you know, might be real, might not be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I also like my Instagram was a personal one up until recently so i had to go back like 10 11 years of stuff and get rid of uh i don't know like personal stuff like i think there was a song i did right in front of this apartment so it was like the addresses on it mm -hmm. um but it's a lot of i think at parties people will ask and like the quick answer is uh every day someone says the meanest thing and the nicest thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> then that's just the nature of the internet or maybe being a public person. So I think you really have to, I had to quickly develop new ways to navigate this landscape just for my own uh, mental health, because I've known other people who they'll, uh, they'll go viral for whatever reason. And then just like, you have to have this new like mental fortitude to like you can't just like put your whole ego into it otherwise like i don't know you'll take everything to heart and that's like people go crazy over this um so having thousands of people commenting on the things you do yeah just like i'm your appearance your style everything you do very very critical um but you, so you can't just like enjoy the nice things because mm -hmm. you, you're going to see a, a really mean thing sandwiched between two nice things. Like what? <laughs> what did they say? You're ugly. Um, just like the, the appearance stuff I, I know would be worse if I was female. I know they, it's really rough for them. Uh, but like, yeah, stuff about your appearance, stuff about, uh, 
I think to me the meanest stuff is just like comparing me to other artists. I don't think people like more than one musical comedian at a time. It's just like, oh, you're just trying to be this guy. You're just trying to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that stuff f- feels the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so how do you manage that? I think it's just taken two years of uh, just like creating new, just new different ways of thinking. Uh, and maybe like, you know, you should be responding to people, but just like setting only certain times of day when you look at stuff. Okay, so you're not waking up and looking messages. at no, messages. No, <laughs> that would be really unhealthy yeah. uh, to just do that all day and have that be your main human connection. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's stuff like, um, you know, most everyone's Instagram is their personal one. And so I like to do Instagram stories and stuff. But now I'm like, the just, just like hanging out with your friends or, or, or doing an Instagram story is kind of gone because you're like a public person now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you mean hang out with your friends and just and stuff just hang out with your friends and just like doing an Instagram story about the bar you're at or something right mm. so I don't really do that anymore because people might come to the bars no it just feels like I don't know it feels different because it's you're you're just always like a quick little thing like probably 10,000 people are going to see an Instagram story I do so if there's like dirty dishes in the background or something, someone's going to message me about it. Okay. Or like a piece of mail with my address on it. Okay, so you are famous now, but that fame comes two-sided. You have the positive and you have the negative and you have to be careful of yeah. everything you put out and how you're seen. Yeah, it's a new way of thinking that I haven't had to, to do before. Um, And it's not like, it's really just, social it's not like the actors who have paparazzi and stuff but Mm -hmm. it did make me think about like if you do get to their level there's like a threshold you cross Mm -hmm. where your life is never the same after Mm -hmm. um which is never a thought that i had before like i I know a ton of comedians and friends who like are always thinking about what it's going to be like when they're famous and just always imagining it Mm -hmm. um but i think i had a a therapist like a year ago say you know you 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 struggled and worked for so long you never really had an imagination you never developed an imagination of what success would look like yeah i think most artists don't (laughs) well it's i don't like actors and comedians a lot of them like i said they're like they they would be checking their messages depending on who you talk to like every single hour oh really um they're they're ready to be famous tomorrow some of them but it 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 was more of a focus on uh the creativity and the songs and the videos up until now Mm -hmm. so now that you are famous um i don't know if that word's that appropriate yet (laughs) i mean i mean people i hear people talking about you like you're famous um maybe yeah um so how has that affected uh, your art practice? Um, I've definitely felt myself uh, here and there working on something or writing something. And now, you know, if, if stuff hasn't done as well or numbers in a long time, 
maybe I'll be writing something and thinking too much about how well it would do. Mm -hmm. And like, then it's not really a personal thing anymore. Then it's sort of like, mm -hmm. and it, it's never as good. So I sort of have to, uh, I don't know, like compartmentalize. It's a different. This is, this is an interesting point. So why would considering how the audience might feel or not feel about it be important? What is that? I think it you? should be considered, but it's less personal and then it might not be it might be farther from like truth mm -hmm. you're thinking about you know how 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 well stuff is going to do mm -hmm. and that's sort of like that's more like advertising that's not like art mm -hmm. well i think there's like the the fear of becoming algorithmic right yeah you have a yeah. success you repeat that success because it does well and now people are trying to advertise through you right yeah. And if you change, you don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That happens a lot with painters is they'll create a style. The gallery's making a lot of money off of them and they have to pay rent, right? The galleries have all these financial things. If you change, you're a threat to the gallery now and they'll drop you. Oh. And a few artists won't be represented again for the next five years if they mm. decide to continue being creative. So sometimes the gallery system kills the mm. creative process yeah so i don't know if you're feeling that now maybe not yet or yeah a little bit a little bit I, there's also it's just how social media works is that there's pressure to be posting stuff all the time mm -hmm. so i'll definitely be like oh man i didn't do a song this week and if you think about it that's crazy like a song and video every single week uh which i can do but like yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure to be making similar stuff as well. Like you were saying, like I have pretty much most of the views just go to the birthday songs where I just had this idea yeah, in September. Smart. Yeah, and there it's once a month and it's the same joke every time. <laughs> but if but now if I don't do one like I didn't do one for October because I didn't know that it was going to be this crazy if there's really really angry messages from people that are like you better be fucking doing my birthday next month like oh people are very upset and just they want a song about their parents hooking up that's the joke is <laughs> that if you're born in September your parents had sex at Christmas so it's that and it's like 20 second songs 30 second songs every time but people are like but these people aren't really supporting you <laughs> they won't yeah have you thought about setting up a patreon or anything yeah i have a patreon you have a patreon yeah okay but um so people are demanding things now yeah so very very angry people mm -hmm. about like you have to write a song about my parents having sex <laughs> It's the same joke <laughs> over and over. <laughs> but they do incredibly well. Like, the first one had, like, 20 million views in, like, a day. Mm -hmm. They, they, yeah, it's, it's, it's a formula. It works. Yeah, what, what is your creative process? How do you make something? It's different. It, often it'll just be, like, a melody in my head that I'll try to materialize. Um... 
So do you, like you're taking a shower and you get hit by yeah. a melody or it's something? It's usually shower stuff. That's why there's so many songs about the shower in the bathroom. <laughs> um, but yeah, there'll be so many nights where I just make instrumentals over and over and over. But those aren't really the ones that do well. It's usually like, like the idea for the joke first or the concept mm -hmm. and then fitting music around it. That always does better, even though I prefer to just make instrumentals and tunes. And like, like, I think it's pretty rare, but like, yeah, the, one of the most successful ones is why am I in this room? Just forgetting why you came into a room. Um, but that, that beat for that, I worked every night for like a week. Uh -huh. and so that's a rare one where like I actually made the instrumental first and then it fit with it. That's interesting. So I, I think I can relate. I noticed that the first thing I think people try to do is they try to consciously create something creatively, right? But it always turns out very predictably. Mm -hmm. But if you work more intuitively, like where something just pops in or you're playing around and something happens, it's always way more complex and interesting. Do you agree with that? Yeah, or? I think, um, like, si since I do all of it, like, in my, we're here in my basement studio, it gets easier and easier over time for me to, like, easily manifest a thought quicker, which mm -hmm. isn't always the best thing. It's sort of like, you should have that spark an idea, but then be open to uh, new ideas or flexibility within it. Right. Because you, you might surprise yourself. Yeah, I think, um, I think that, that the ability to originate, um, you know, is very mysterious, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think the art comes in two parts. There's that ability to originate, just something intuitively happens, and then the craftsmanship to execute it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's taken a long time. Like, I wasn't really trained in music at all. Mm -hmm. um, it sort of came through uh, uh, just playing around on my grandma's piano. And then with a child's mind, you're like, oh, the notes, they're kind of personified like different notes got along with each other in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like people mm -hmm. and some of them they were happier together and some of them would be sad when they were together like major and minor mm -hmm. but I didn't I didn't really realize like I was learning how to create moods mm -hmm. um, or like fifths and sevenths like like R&B kind of chords jazzy chords mm -hmm. they're like it's like people like a, a B and a C they don't they're gonna sound horrible next to each other Mm -hmm. But in different octaves, they get along better. Like people, does that make sense? Like there's like people in your life who you get along with f further away. <laughs> That's how I thought about it growing up. And then so, yeah, years and years and years go by, and then you kind of know how to, like you'll have, you'll be like, okay, I want to do a song about anxiety. Then, after all this time, it's easier to, to create that mood. It's probably similar with painting as well. You know what works yeah. together. You do it ages and ages and ages, and then it's easier and faster to to quickly create a mood or or a landscape or whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, me and my friend Kenny have come up with this idea called the mental studio, and there seems to be something common between all creative people. Right, if you just forget about the medium or what they're doing and you look at what happens in the mind, there seems to be patterns 
right? Like mm-hmm. you're talking about pulling from your intuition. A lot of people I know that do arrive at a very individuated place all say the same thing. Hmm. And then you imagine different ways that can go in your head before you begin creating. And there's a lot of similar attitudes and patterns that um, don't normally get talked about. Mm-hmm. But people with really well-developed mental studios can just switch that from medium to medium. Hmm. Like my friend Kenny, who's, who's a, who draws, um, he felt he created a mental studio with basketball first, and then he brought those ideas to drawing. Hmm. Or... Um, it, I just think that's interesting, but, you know, the things you're saying are just reinforcing that. Yeah, idea. and there's a lot of people, you know, like synesthesia, like they'll associate yeah. notes with colors and stuff. Yeah. Which might, might be on some level of what I did, but I didn't really associate them with colors. They were just like people. Yeah. Like a C note was like a happy guy and an F was, was like an angry person. <laughs> Although F is not a particularly angry note. But yeah. like, it's just how I saw it growing up. Well, another idea that we have is there's, you know, a, like a symbol in philosophy is a signifier that points to some meaning, right? So mm-hmm. like you're talking about the notes. Uh, we believe that at first you have your own relationship with everything. And then you pass through school and culture and you become standardized. Hmm. right Mm -hmm. so i think people who are highly eventuated they have their own relationships with notes or colors or shapes things they see and that's what allows them to have a personal style right is because they will make decisions in a very different way for them from someone else because some part of them hasn't been standardized right yeah yeah and then when we look at standardized people who make art you know, they're, they're from a school, they all make the same looking thing. That's because they've been standardized and making the same decisions. But to be, you know, what I consider real artists is you're individuated. You're making something that only you would make, right? So yeah. what leads to that then? And I think what you, the first thing you're talking about was making garbage is being brave enough to go out on your own and just learn things from for yourself you didn't take music classes that was probably a big advantage for you to have original content right yeah and all the years being alone and not going to school that allowed you to create a sketch comedy style that's uniquely yours Hmm. right my friend kenny he did go to school but he, he didn't do it as intensely as most people and he has a very unique drawing method that no one else has right hmm um, I've never seen anyone doing what he's doing, but I think at some point you have to go off on your own and and do ugly, bad art, yeah, and make a new way of relating to the world that's yours to end up with an artistic voice. Yeah, that it, that definitely it makes me think of um, at UCB. They were that was like the first time where they were really dissecting what was funny about something. Uh I'd taken all these acting classes and done all these, and I'd done a lot of improv, but this was the first place where they were, they were, everyone was so in their head in this, by the second class, by 201, because they were just like so honed in on what exactly was funny about just the meat of the scene. So if you go, through that school, you you can get very good at making things up on stage from a foundational level mm-hmm. and 
discovering with your partner what is the funny or interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, you know, I, I did that for a long time, and it, it there was, I just sort of fell out of love with it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great art form. A lot of people love it, but I think I really just wanted to do my own thing. Also, mm-hmm. if you go to like you would go to the 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 best shows that they would be doing and all of those people have been doing it so long that they're breaking all the rules that they've taught you mm-hmm. um and that's also why it's good so it sounds like they taught them how to think not what to think well it yeah it's it's not like it, it was a good school it's not the worst thing ever but it's sort of what you were talking about how yeah. it's going to be everyone takes the same drawing class or painting class, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in which our, our case would be like uh, two people, two, three people at a at any f- location that already know each other. And then someone says something weird and someone goes, oh, you said a weird thing. And then growing that. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the New York improv scene is, is mostly that. But there's a lot of good stuff I think I took from that is is like if i'm making a song i'll be thinking you know like songs are mostly about feelings sketch sketch comedy is about patterns and mm-hmm. taking them to their logical conclusion but in combining those like a song that you might normally hear um i'm about to stop making sense <laughs> a song <laughs> like a song about like a breakup or heartbreak or just like loneliness you mm-hmm. you could write that but i like to 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 add add the funny interesting thing mm-hmm. um which will become what what they used to call the game of the scene okay so the game is like the the what they would call you know the interesting thing you found so it's like like a a, a unique perspective rambling now no it's it's like just make up an improv scene like people at a doctor's office you already know your doctor and then we realize oh someone he says like something like he used to be a mechanic or something uh-huh and then the scene they acknowledge that together uh-huh. so then the scene will obviously become about a doctor talking about your body as if it were a car, that kind of thing. Okay. That's... So, to do that in music... I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> digressing and digressing. Uh, but I hope I hope some of it makes sense. Well, here, um, let's break it down. So, you said there's, there's patterns, right? What yeah. do you mean by a pattern? Sketch comedy, if you write... If you watch anything, SNL, anything like that... Um, you know, they'll have the beats. They'll have the joke like, okay, f- doctor's a mecha- former mechanic, so he's going to think of you like you're a car. Okay. Um, so that's like the first first beat. So then instead of... The sketch is not going to be like a story. It's not going to be like a novel. It's not going to be like a short film. They're just going to be enhancing this mechanicness of the doctor until they can't anymore and then it's over it's done so like is it taking an idea to an extreme yeah 
And that's what that's what's funny about it. Yeah. Is it's how the extreme. interesting thing. Okay. So in in this story, the the doctor is yes. depersonalizing you, and that's taken to the extreme. He, that's what's funny. But he's going to. Uh, it's a pretty common thing, like someone who who a pr- used to have a different prof- profession. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna. He's gonna say like. I don't know. I can't think of funny examples right now. I haven't done improv in a long time. But, like, that's a, the interesting or weird thing. Okay. So, so he's going to do it more and more. It's not going to be a story. They're not going to have a beginning, middle, end. Mm-hmm. He's just going to do it more and more until until it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so sketches are about patterns. Okay. Songs are about feelings. Okay. And, and then you're books and movies are about story. Yeah. So you're mixing together a pattern and a feeling. Yeah. Okay. And so... But that's not like all music. That's just sort of like comedy music. Yeah. But you you purposely go to strange places. Yeah. You know, we drove across the country. We'd stop and look like weird statues, yeah. empty malls. Yeah. You, you seek out the weird. You just went to the, you know... Uh, Bulgaria, yeah, <laughs> not a, a place that's not usually traveled to, but you seek these things out to get a perspective, maybe that no one else has. Maybe I don't. A lot of people were like, "Why are you going to the Balkans? You haven't even been to Italy yet. Like, you've <laughs> been to." Um, but isn't that in a way funny? Because like, if you yeah. ask someone what's the most important thing in New York City, maybe they say the Statue of Liberty. But that's also standardized thought, right? Yeah. Of course, that's what people say. Why not your coffee shop or your favorite park or something mm-hmm. like this? You know, but I think that's part of the being defined is like, I don't want to think like everyone else. Why Why can't Bulgaria be as just as important as Italy? It looked beautiful. That's it looked amazing. like a really fun time. Yeah. But um, so you're seeking out... Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm pointing to as defiant, right? Mm. Is that I'm not going to go to Italy because that's what everyone's doing. I'm going to take a fresh perspective. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so you seek out these off-the-beaten-track things, which I really enjoyed. I think that's why we had fun traveling together. Definitely. But um, Sorry, this chair sounds like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to silence it. I'll sit this forward. Okay. But... Um, but that seems to be a real focus for you is mm. that um and like you always show me like weird crazy stuff like that radio <laughs> app for oh, like a whole week we listened app. to like, yeah. the uh radio garden yeah yeah but um so what i feel like there's something there like <laughs> why why do you why do you want to look in all these places um, I don't know. Maybe it is just to be different or it's, maybe it's some sort of like, I don't know if I agree with the phrase. Have you heard the, the like only, only boring people get bored? Yeah. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah. I don't think that's true because I get bored all the time and mm-hmm. I'm having to like, I don't, that's why I would, I'm not going to take a cruise or something. I want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. I want to go somewhere where it's like really hard to like navigate um i don't know maybe i just have to be i don't know if i have a good answer for you well what if i throw out a theory 
Okay. What if actually you're more deeply engaged in life than the average person? What if um, you're seeing all kinds of value that most people don't see because they have standardized thought, right? And you feel like mm. it's a shame that that people are not looking at all this absurdity and mystery and all this 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 life is absolutely insane you know yeah i'd agree with that <laughs> i yeah because we did two months ago we did uh we went to tijuana for a day mm -hmm. and then it's already a pretty exciting and bizarre place but i made the song because at nine in the morning we saw at the border wall on the beach all these amish people on the beach I was like, how did they get there? Like, I don't know. I don't think your average person would... I think your average person would see a, a bizarre thing like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, just maybe take a picture and tell the story later. But I was so obsessed with it, I had to write a song. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're right in that. I can see a lot of this uh, surrealness and absurdity just every day and part of what I do is storytelling and like giving my perspective Yeah, saying like, look, no, this thing's really weird and funny. Yeah. Um, well, you're pointing out it. things, you're pointing out yeah. observations and also maybe, um, I mean, social anxiety is very common, but maybe something very specific that people don't usually recognize in social anxiety. Right. Yeah. Then maybe, just even looking at that is what makes it funny. Yeah, observing it. Yeah, that no one even thinks about Put, it. Putting but, a frame around a specific Yeah, because you're making us look at something. Yeah. Um, so maybe you are deeply engaged with life. Maybe that's why you refuse to do all these other things, because maybe they looked meaningless to you. Hmm. Right, and the only meaning you got was from exploring and, and to quote you, challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's why I said in the beginning, maybe it's, it's not about being happy. You know, maybe maybe it's about um, this suffering with a for something meaningful, <laughs> right? Doomed to be interesting. Doomed to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. but that's the thing too, like. I know they have other words, but the main word for funny in Japanese is the same as the word for interesting. Hmm. I know that it's like, um, like some comedy is about, you know, asserting dominance or superiority. Some of it is about um, relief, mm -hmm. of something you serve as a threat, being turned out into oh, a threat. Yeah, yeah. Or the superiority is like making fun of something in power. But if you make of someone who's very disempowered, it's not funny. Oh, right? you're punching down. But to bring mm -hmm. down someone in power, right? Yeah. Um, but um, a lot of it, yeah. I mean, some people could definitely argue that most all comedy is deeply rooted in negativity in general. Um, but also, yeah, what you were saying is like, there's the relief there. There's a reason I think a lot of comedians or people from the comedy world end up doing great horror it's sort of the same like telling a punchline is also a release of tension sort mm -hmm. of like a jump scare in a horror movie pulling the rubber band and then releasing it yeah for an emotional catharsis yeah 
I mean, I stress laugh for sure. Yeah, I, I know. laugh at all the wrong times. You definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think about the future? What are you going to do next? Uh, the future is pretty terrifying, I think. <laughs> I have to... You know, like we were saying... Well, it just been, might get banned, Yeah, right? things have just been so hard for so long that I haven't had an imagination for success. And I think growing up without much money and then just not having it <laughs> as an adult, I'm always sort of waiting for the next shoe to drop. So I don't know at what point I'll be like, okay, th th good things are happening. Maybe never, but... Um, yeah, I, n I never have a, a positive outlook on the future, <laughs> which is probably bad, but but I'm always waiting for, like, the caveat or something bad to happen. Yeah. So try to stay in the present. Yeah. Are you going to leave the city? I don't know. I, I hate it, but I like it better than anywhere else. I think <laughs> I'm going to go to an abandoned village in Bulgaria and make a n new studio and just have some sheep. <laughs> it looks pretty nice. Really, yeah. You don't have to mow the lawn. They eat it. <laughs> they may have like some of the best Wi-Fi in Europe for some reason. Go figure. I don't know. But really? it's uh, voted like best place to be a digital nomad. Really? Mm -hmm. Maybe you should. I don't know. This, this, <laughs> this city's so crazy. I've barely been here and I'm like, I'm so drained from it. Yeah, it takes a lot, but that's also maybe why I stayed here so long. It was like something in me was like, you have to be here. And then I'll go to somewhere quieter, like my parents' house or something. It'll be a huge ringing in my ears and I just mm -hmm. like can't sit down. And I think that's why this trip was very cleansing because I just went out to this family and... Um, a family didn't know. You just went out with them. Yeah. <laughs> I, now I realize, I think it's probably more of a common thing in that part of the world is hey come to my mom's house she'll feed you mm -hmm. uh probably not for three days but <laughs> and then i think you also couch surfed through north africa like i did couch around the time of the arab spring it wasn't no no much, it's 2019 2019 years later oh man it's all messed up but i did couch head. surf yeah okay. no but it was during ramadan so people were not super happy but yeah this I think it's more common there and I asked his daughter after it was like so he, he sometimes he brings guests over and she's like no <laughs> he's never done that before <laughs> like oh damn very special oh man and he didn't know any English but we actually like had some pretty good conversations over his like translator um that it, that it never fully got there but it'd be like poetic accidentally I'm just going to try to find a thing that okay. I took a picture of. But there was just some sort of human connection there with no language. Yeah, I don't know what he was trying to say, but the <laughs> app is like, we are in time and time is within us. It turns us over and we turn it over. Here's a picture of it just in the Bulgarian <laughs> translator app. We were... <laughs> we are in time and time is within us. It turns us over, and we turn it over. I don't know. I don't know. This, this was just like I was in the middle of nowhere, with just drinking with this dude, and I was I sort of kind of like 
I feel like unloaded all my stresses about like, man, when I get back to America, all these things um, and feeling pressure to, to work all the time. But it was cool. Like, you know, just these these human connections. If you just say yes to things, be safe, but like go past where the trains don't go, where there's not any museums. Mm-hmm. Someone will invite you into their house and you'll have meaningful connections regardless of language yeah i think um i think living in the city um not not having a trust fund (laughs) it's a very uh life is so hard here yeah and you see horrible things every day you know whether it's a a person shitting or someone shooting up (laughs) or or even a you know my girlfriend saw someone get murdered the other day oh my god but you just see things like that you know, all the time, and uh, everything is so intense here. Um, yeah. But I don't know. My values have shifted so much. Like the mm-hmm. value of fresh air, of yeah. plants, of just having space and natural light, and then yeah, human connection is is you're so alone in this city. Yeah. Which I didn't think. I thought I'd have all this time to go out and meet all these people, but I haven't had any time to do that. Mm. And everyone who lives here doesn't have time to meet you either. Well, can I also say, like, that also does sound like my first year as well. And then over time, like, you sort of get onto the same frequency and wavelength, sort of the rhythm of the city. And for me, it's like, I definitely have lasting connections, but it's it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I find I really want to move out to the countryside, too. Just be around plants and, like, just do my own thing. And... Even the value of, you know, what I thought success was and seeing the reality of that success. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't even know if I want that anymore. Mm. You know, I don't know if you feel the same. But, um, yeah, I really just want to um, affect people. I don't know if you feel like that, too. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you want to affect people. Yeah. But maybe that's maturing. I think maybe you start out wanting all the glory, yeah, and the fame and and things, and then you see that's quite empty. And it sounds like it kind of brutal in your case, getting mm-hmm. criticized by all these people on a daily or hourly basis. Yeah, but like, there's the nice messages too that are like a lot. Often people are like, "Hey, I was really depressed, and your music really like I find it validating, but I can also dance to it and." Um, you know, that's affecting people like music on it on its own without lyrics is like, it's very powerful. We've always had it. Even animals have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's relatable or funny, then, then people really connect to it. And, uh, but, but now you're affecting, is it in the millions of people or hundreds of thousands? Do you mean like, yeah, with the, your, the, all these people are watching stuff. I mean, how does it feel? To know that that all that time, that decade, and now you're affecting all these people around the world. I, I don't know. It's it's also um, I'm I'm hoping to tour soon, so maybe I'll have a better view of it. But a lot of it is really still numbers, right? Because uh, you're I'm not just, actually seeing them. I'm at home making stuff. But yeah, yeah, I looked at Spotify yesterday, and one of them, one of the songs has like three and a half million listens. That's insane. It's a lot for Spotify for an artist. Um, 
So, but that's, it's like, you can't sit there and imagine 3 million people laughing at your joke. No, but um, it's, imagine that in a it's, stadium. It's a number. I don't a, know. That's a whole stadium. Of, that's more than a stadium. Hmm. Right? It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you stuck it out, and now that's a reality. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the hope, is that that does happen to people. And there was no, like, nepotism. There wasn't no. a lot of help, you know. No. You just did this purely on your own, so that is a thing that can happen. Mm. Right? Yeah. I think sometimes people get upset at, at all the... The popularity contests and yeah. getting hooked up and stuff, but you just—it's a lot of just making making the thing that you would want to see or hear. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of the best you can do at the end of the day. Make a song that you would want to listen to, make a painting that you would like. You don't have much else more to say about it. <laughs> well, I'll just say, congrats! I think what you've done is extremely impressive. And it gives me hope um, that if I just stick to it, you know, it'll eventually pay off. But uh, thank you to everyone who listened today. Um, go check out Derek at Soupy Garbage Juice <laughs> <laughs> on, on, I guess, all platforms, right? And um, and, and uh, the theme song for this podcast oh, yeah, we this, didn't mention. Oh my goodness! I did okay. this theme song. <laughs> That's right, Derek. Okay, I think we'll have to put that in the very beginning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it fades out, be like, hey, did you like that? Well, guess what? Here's a guy that wrote it. <laughs> Talking about being sad. So enjoy. Yes, Derek made the music for the podcast. But um, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to everyone who's contributing to the Patreon. And uh, remember to be critically creative.